smart, very intelligent, honest jurors who are going to do their job, which is to seek the truth. And so we felt that putting up our case, it didn't matter whether they were black or white, that putting up our case, that this jury would hear the truth, they'd see the evidence, and that they would do the right thing and come back with the correct verdict, which we felt they did today. Elliot, Linda Donikowski there saying that it didn't really matter what race the jurors were. Did you, do you agree with her? I mean, that, that's a very complicated question. I, does it matter what race the jurors are? No. Of course, uh, people of all races can be fair when they adjudicate, uh, you know, uh, hold someone else in judgment. The, the bigger issue is how is it possible to strike virtually all of the black prospective jurors from a jury panel and end up with a jury that's 11 uh, white individuals and one black individual in a county that is 26% African-American. It seems that there was then a deliberate attempt, with the, just looking at the, the, the stats and the numbers, a deliberate attempt by the defense attorneys to get black jurors off here. So I think the, the, the question that we've all fixated on is, can white people be fair when holding black, um, other white defendants in judgment? And that, that's maybe not the right question. It's why did these attorneys and how did these attorneys and how does the system allow attorneys to be so deliberate and almost surgical in striking black jurors. And that, um, you know, thankfully, uh, a positive outcome was reached here. But, but I think that's the more troubling issue. One of the most, uh, I guess, uh, or ex obvious expectations, expected developments after the verdicts was that the defense lawyers said that they would appeal and they've expressed some level of optimism. Um, in, in that uh, endeavor. Jennifer, do you, do you see any chance of success there? I don't see anything obvious. I mean, they can appeal based on legal errors made by the judge, you know, issues with jury selection. You know, there are all sorts of things that they can appeal by. They can even appeal saying that the evidence was insufficient to convict. So nothing jumps out at me. I thought the judge was very good here. He made his evidentiary rulings properly, at least as far as I saw. I didn't see any big issues with the jury, uh, the sufficiency of the evidence. Certainly, for sure, there was plenty of evidence in the way that the jury actually uh, assigned relative culpability of each defendant with their verdicts demonstrates that they uh, very carefully viewed the evidence. So I don't see anything here. I mean, we'll have to see what their papers say, um, but it seems like an uphill battle to me. And no matter what happens with these state charges, they still face federal hate crime charges for a trial that's due to take place in February. Um, and those charges, again, in the federal case, also could carry a potential sense of life in prison. Elliot, what do you expect in that case, in that federal case? Right. Well, there's a lot of, you know, you talked about race a little bit earlier, Alex. Um, a, a lot of information simply didn't come out at this trial. And that was a, that was a d deliberate decision by the prosecutors to not bring up, for instance, an allegation that Travis Lee Michael used the N-word at the scene of the crime and his text messages and um, Internet history, sort of online postings that it suggested uh, racial bias or the use of, of ethnic slurs. All of that can come up in a federal civil rights trial. So to some extent, it's the same facts here, but, but they're really not. It's a totally different matter. And um, you know, prosecutors make decisions all the time as to what bring it, what to bring into court, what kinds of things to raise, and essentially where to go in front of the jury. This seemed like a deliberate attempt by these prosecutors to keep race out of it, 
leave the racial questions and the questions of racial bias to the federal jury. Um, so, um, so we'll see much more then. And in, in, in some respects, it's a fuller picture of what happened on that day. Yeah, a decision that was questioned by many watching the trial. Arbery's mother was on CNN this morning reflecting now on, on the verdict uh, yesterday. Take a listen to a little bit of what she had to say. Lamont um, implemented change. He's, he's brought about the, the hate crime law here in Georgia. He, he's caused that, that citizens arrest law um, to be repelled. And I want people to think of Lamont as change. Ahmad lost his life, but he didn't lose his license in vain. Jennifer, that murder was caught on tape. We saw it on video. How important do you think that video was to this case? Would it, would it have happened at all without it? Well, that's hard to say. It certainly didn't happen without it for some time. And in fact, we have a, a prosecutor under indictment herself for obstructing the case. I think it's fair to say that without a videotape, it's very, very unlikely that we would have seen this case brought. So it was crucial. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes nowadays with all the surveillance cameras around, much more is being captured than ever was before. Here on a rural road, of course, that wasn't the case. It was due to Mr. Bryan and his cell phone that we saw it. But, you know, you're right. Without the tape, we would have had nothing. So it's a good thing that we did. All right, well, so much more in this saga still to come. We know that you will be watching closely. Elliot Williams, Jennifer Rogers, thank you, and happy Thanksgiving. To his father, uh, Gregory McMichael, uh, essentially accused of rallying his son to pursue Arbery. William Bryan, a neighbor who videotaped uh, the altercation, was in another vehicle and accused of, uh, of helping to essentially corner uh, Mr. Arbery, leading to his death. All right, let's take you back inside the court. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Madam Fourperson, I understand you have reached a verdict as to each defendant. Please hand your verdict forms to the sheriff. each one of these verdict forms separately. The first verdict form I have is the state of Georgia versus Travis McMichael. Mr. McMichael, please stand. Verdict is as follows. In the Superior Court of Glynn County, state of Georgia, the state of Georgia versus Travis McMichael, case number CR000433. Jury verdict form. Count one, malice murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. I'm going to ask that whoever just made an outburst be removed from the court, please. 
As this court has indicated, I ask that there be no outbursts in the court, and I expect as much from the gallery. Please respect the court's um, desire for this as we move forward. If you feel like you need to make a comment or otherwise demonstrate with respect to the verdict, I do ask that you step out of the courtroom now. Count two, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count five, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count seven, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count eight, false imprisonment. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count nine, criminal attempt to commit a felony. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Dated this 24th day of November, 2021, signed by the fourth person. As to Gregory McMichael. In the Superior Court of Glynn County, the state of Georgia versus Greg McMichael, case number CR0, I'm sorry, 2000433. Jury verdict form. Count one, malice murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, not guilty. Count two, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count five, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count seven, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count eight, false imprisonment. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count nine, criminal attempt to commit a felony. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. This 24th day of November, 2021, signed by the fourth. As to William R. Bryan, in the Superior Court of Glynn County, State of Georgia, State of Georgia versus William R. Bryan, case number CR2000433, jury verdict form. Count one, malice murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, not guilty. Count two, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, not guilty. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Count five, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, not guilty. Count seven, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. 
Count eight, false imprisonment. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Count nine, criminal attempt to commit a felony. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Signed this 24th day of November by the foreperson. Good MC. Court having read the verdicts and accepted the verdicts, anything from the state? No, Your Honor, nothing from the state. Anything from the defense? We ask the jury to be pulled, Your Honor. All defendants ask the jury to be pulled. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask each of you individually a set of two questions with respect to the verdicts that I have just read. If you could please respond when you hear your juror number. Juror number one, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number two, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number three, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number four, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number five, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number seven, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number eight, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number nine, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number ten, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number eleven, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? Juror number twelve, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? And juror sixteen, you have heard the verdicts read. Were these your verdicts then, and are these your verdicts now? The jury has been polled. Anything further from the defense? From Greg McMichael. From Mr. Bryan. Ladies and gentlemen, what that means with the court having accepted your verdict is that your role in this case is now at an end. What we're going to do today is I'm going to have all of you, the panel and the three alternates, go ahead and retire into the jury room. I'm going to address a couple matters logistically with you in the jury room once we get done here. But before we do that, and before I excuse you, I do want to thank you publicly for your service here in Glynn County. It has been a long trial, and I appreciate the fact that you have been attentive. You have listened to the evidence, and that is what we ask in this court. It's a very simple ask in a very complex way, so it's appreciated. When we all got together, I say we all got together, when we got together at different times, I said that I was going to thank you a number of times and how I was going to tell you I do truly appreciate your time here. Hopefully you understand why I said that when we started. I do also hope that you got a little bit of an insight into 
what goes on in a, in a trial uh, and uh, maybe understand a little bit more of how important it is for members of our community to come down and be part of this process and serve as jurors in this community. So again, thank you for that service. And I'll come address you all in just a moment. You are excused. All right, we're adjourned. The jury now uh, exiting the courtroom after delivering their verdict uh, for Travis McMichael, the only person accused of actually pulling the trigger that killed Ahmaud Arbery, guilty on all counts. There were split verdicts uh, involving his, his father, uh, Gregory McMichael, uh, on the case. He was found not guilty on uh, malice murder, but guilty of felony murder. Uh, split verdict also on William Bryant. He's the man, right, man that took the video who was in another vehicle. Um, uh, there was a split verdict on him, but a resounding, otherwise resounding verdict by this jury uh, that uh, only met a, a fairly short time, somewhere around 10 or 11 hours. I'll, I'll go to Sam Brock right now. And Sam, uh, tell us how long they've been deliberating and tell us what the scene has been outside as word of this verdict filtered. 11 hours, Lester, is about right, and it's interesting because the word was coming from the court on about a five or seven second delay. They would make the announcement in the courtroom, and there would be reaction behind me. Of course, just an eruption of applause after that first guilty verdict for Travis McMichael, which, as you mentioned, Lester, is the person who fired the shotgun, the three shots, that killed Ahmaud Arbery. Now, they were chanting Ahmaud Arbery's name first, then, we want justice, we want justice. There were boos following the not guilty verdict, for malice murder, which as you mentioned there, Lester, malice aforethought is the most serious crime here. The idea that it doesn't take a bunch of time for an idea or hatred to bubble up, but it can be in that moment, just the intent to kill or to cause serious bodily harm. They found Travis McMichael guilty, Gregory McMichael, his father, who was in the truck at the time, not guilty, but guilty on the remainder of the charges. But as you look at sort of the, the complexity of all this, Lester, many, many guilty convictions, a couple of not guilty. The crowd here, by and large, seems pleased with what happened here. Self-defense was really the largest argument, along with the citizen's arrest law in Georgia, which has since been revoked, that was used in court. With respect to self-defense, you had a situation where three white men were chasing a mud arbory through a neighborhood, and he was not armed. He didn't have anything on his person except for pants, which the prosecutor described as baggy enough to make it clear that he didn't have a weapon. They chased him anyway because they suspected that he had committed some form of crime, either trespassing, burglary, theft, or all of that. But in the end, that was never proven. What was proven in this case was the question of whether or not there was a right for them to pursue him under this age-old 1860s law in Georgia, as you mentioned, that has since been revoked, that allows them, this is, by the way, Lester, at a time when police are on horseback, it takes them hours or days to arrive on scene, when citizens were empowered to take a more proactive law enforcement stance. Do they have the right in this case? Do they witness a crime? Or do they perhaps have probable cause to do so, the jury in this case, finding that that was not applicable? And for self-defense, if you instigate a situation like this, if you are looking for someone, as the McMichaels, as the jury found, were in fact looking for a mud arbory, and you hold a gun towards them, this would be the equivalent, you were told by legal experts, of walking into a convenience store and holding up the cashier for money, and if they raise their gun and try to fight back, I should say, if you raise your gun and they try to fight back and you shoot them, claiming self-defense. They said that is not applicable in this case. And again, as you look at the verdict here, guilty for felony murder, which means that you committed murder in the acts of other felonies, aggravated assault was one of them, false imprisonment as well, then you are guilty. 
And another point here I would just underscore from the prosecutor is that all parties involved in a murder, if they committed some portion of this, if they were they were involved in some of it, they were involved in all of it, and it looked like the jury agreed as well. The analogy that she gave there was for a Super Bowl team. Everybody gets a ring, whether you're the quarterback, whether you're on the bench. And in this case, there is a shared responsibility. The jury found, with respect to the three gentlemen who are now convicted of crimes in the death of Ahmaud Arbery, that there was shared responsibility there, Lester. And, and Sam, uh, I, we'll obviously be trying to find out what the jury was thinking as we perhaps get more details, but they made a request today to see some evidence or listen to some evidence. Can you describe what that is? Yes, that request came in about 9.40 this morning. They wanted to look at pieces of video, high-res and low-res video, of Roddy Bryan, who was the neighbor, who also used his pickup truck in this pursuit, to see what was on there. Three jurors, were told, Lester, were sitting actually in the jury box, and then another nine were seated in the gallery. Why they were split up like that, perhaps those were the three that were confused about some of that sequencing and wanted to get a closer look. It's not clear why that was the structure. But the other part of this, and this is important, was that the 911 tape was played. And that 911 tape, you hear the dispatcher say, it's 911, what is your emergency? And the response from Gregory McMichael is, I'm at Patilla Shores right now, and there is a black man running. And he starts to say, down the street. And then the dispatch overrides that. A black man running down the street was the stated emergency when the question was posed. There was also video Lester shown in court that showed a mud arbory from the neighbor's camera vantage point running down the street. And shortly thereafter, maybe five or ten seconds, you see one McMichael get in the truck, then the other, and they chase after him. But it's pretty clear, and it was certainly argued in court, they couldn't see what he had done. They just saw that he was moving down the street. All of this in total. Part of the arguments presented by the prosecution for why these three defendants should be found guilty. And Sam, I'm going to get some uh, legal expertise here in a moment from one of our guests, but I do want to ask you, what do we know about the potential penalty? Now, obviously, for Travis McMichael, guilty on all counts, very long uh, life, prison, uh, life in prison. What about the others? What do we know? Life imprisonment, I mean, an aggravated assault charge alone, which they have all been convicted of, can be years, decades. I mean, there's several aggravated assault charges here that they were convicted of. So all three of these defendants are looking at potentially sentencing of decades behind bars, Lester. All right, Sam, thanks very much. Also joining us is Georgetown School of Law professor and NBC News legal analyst Paul Butler. Uh, Paul, thank you for being with us. First of all, walk us through malice murder versus felony murder because the jury obviously saw it differently depending on the defendant here. Yeah, so malice murder in Georgia requires the intent to kill. Mr. Uh, Gregory McMichael and Mr. Uh, Brian were not the trigger men. Travis McMichael was the trigger man and he was found guilty of malice murder. The other two were convicted of felony murder, which means that they had the intent to commit another felony, uh, including um, uh, kidnapping or, or um, false arrest of Mr. Um, Arbery. In the eyes of the law, Lester, all three men are murderers. Felony murder is murder just like malice murder. All right, so uh, let me get your reaction in general to uh, this verdict. 11 hours of deliberations, the jury wanting to hear a little bit of that, that phone call, 911 call, and then coming to this verdict, and a split verdict, as we noted, on, on the two non-trigger men, if you will, in this case. Uh, break it down for us. How do you think this went? You know, to many Americans, this case looked like a modern-day lynching. Three white men and two pickup trucks 
hunted down and killed Ahmed Arbery, who was jogging through a neighborhood. Uh, the unanimous verdict from a virtually all-white jury is the result of a compelling and persuasive case made by the prosecutor. Uh, this case had a lot of historical resonance. The, uh, the tape that the jurors wanted to hear today is the 911 call to the dispatcher, what's your emergency? The answer was there's a black man running down the street. Uh, Lester, there's a lot of historical residents in those words. There's an American history of racial violence and white supremacy and unequal justice under the law. Criminal trials are not instruments of social change, but they can tell us something about social progress. In Georgia in 2021, in one case, one black victim received equal justice under the law, and in this country, that counts as progress. Once you establish the fact that they did not witness Mr. Arbery commit a crime, did that completely take off this idea of a citizen's arrest, take it off the table, and leave the jury with no other choice? So the Georgia citizen's arrest law comes from the 1800s. It predates slavery, and it was designed to allow private white citizens to capture runaway enslaved people. The law was changed after this case happened, and so the defense successfully, uh, you or successfully allowed the jury to consider the old law. But even under the old law, if you wanted to arrest someone, uh, you could only do that if you saw the crime happen yourself or you were in hot pursuit. If that wasn't the case, then you had no right to stop these people. Uh, what the jurors were instructed uh, on the basis of the strong uh, demand of the prosecutor is that if the defendants didn't have a legitimate right to make a citizen's arrest, the case was over. That would mean that they provoked the encounter with Mr. Arbery. They had no legal justification for doing so. And in Georgia, if you start the fight, if you're the initial aggressor, you can't claim self-defense. So as soon as the jurors uh, discounted the citizen's arrest law, they almost had to convict these defendants of murder. And you rightfully point out this is one case, this is one verdict, this is one state, but we, a lot of people are going to see this in the context of the Rittenhouse verdict that still has touched a raw nerve in this country. Can you help explain what the difference between these cases is? You know, every day, every case is different. Obviously, the facts were different in each case. The facts were much better for the prosecution. In this case, Mr. Rittenhouse uh, successfully claimed self-defense, and he made an argument that the jury bought that each of the three people who he shot posed a deadly threat to him. A difference we have to acknowledge is also counsel. Mr. Rittenhouse had a $2 million legal defense fund uh, money was ginned up after people like uh, former President Donald Trump advocated on Mr. Rittenhouse's uh, uh, side. You know, we like to think that money doesn't make a difference in our criminal legal system, and just the fact that Mr. Rittenhouse had a lot of money on his side uh, doesn't fully explain why he won, but that is another difference between that case and this case in which the killers of Ahmaud Arbery were found guilty. All right, Paul Butler, we appreciate you being on. I want to turn, if I can, now to Caroline Felici, a white-collar and federal criminal defense attorney uh, who is uh, 
uh, an attorney that is here with us. Good to have you with us. Let me ask you about the next step in this. This was not tried as, as a hate crime per se, but now the, the federal prosecutors will get a bite at this apple. Can you tell us what that might entail? That's right, uh, Lester, and it's actually pretty rare that the feds came in prior to seeing the verdict in the state case announcing ahead of this trial, actually, that they were going to charge these three um, defendants with federal hate crimes. And so regardless of what happened today, these three men were not going to walk free. You know, I think the uh, family of Ahmad Arbery is breathing a sigh of relief today that they got some semblance of justice out of that courtroom. Um, I would just note that the, the, the quote-unquote split verdict that we're referring to, it's really a distinction without a difference. As Paul noted, in Georgia, murder is murder, whether that's malice murder or felony murder. And the penalty is indistinguishable. These three defendants are all looking at life in prison, Lester. All right. Let, let me ask you about uh, going forward in terms of whether there might be an appeal. Probably not unexpected, but what what might be in a basis for an appeal for any of these three men? Absolutely, there will be an appeal. Any defense attorney is always going to uh, make a motion for a mistrial. We we heard actually uh, multiple motions for mistrials during the rebuttal closing arguments by the prosecutor. There was this argument over the really really important um, law that that was was key in this in this case, which was. Um, you know, the, the citizen's arrest law, that defunct law that Paul was referring to, no longer the, the state of the, the law in Georgia now. Nonetheless, it was in play during this case. And, and you saw the defense attorneys there um, uh, question the prosecutor's statement of the law, and they were referring to the temporal boundaries of whether or not these three defendants could effectively use a legal, effectuate a legal citizen's arrest, even though they had not seen any crime take place in their presence by Ahmad Arbery, even though it was merely their, their suspicion that perhaps a crime had taken place. And even so, Lester, it wasn't even a felony, remember? The, the only thing that they could say with certainty was that uh, Mr. Arbery perhaps was on this construction site of a home. Well, that's not good enough, even under this citizen's arrest law. It's not good enough to think somebody may have committed a crime. You heard that 911 call there. You heard it from Greg McMichael's mouth himself. He called 911 because there was a black man running down the street. That is not what qualifies as uh, enough uh, probable cause, if you will, for implementing that citizen's arrest law. And you saw uh, the defense attorneys make motions for mistrials. Likely there will be uh, an appeal in this case, but I don't think they will win. All right, Caroline Felici, thank you for joining us. We are also joined by Washington Post columnist and NBC News political analyst Eugene Robinson. I'd like to get your thoughts, Eugene, on not only this verdict, but the impact and how it will be received in, in, in different circles in this country. Well, what's your, I have to say that I what I'm feeling is an enormous sense of, of relief uh, that what I, what I always saw as, as clear justice in this case uh, has in fact been done. Um, you will recall that after the initial, after the killing, the local authorities initially decided not to prosecute at all. They didn't charge these defendants with anything. When in fact, what we what we saw on that videotape taken by Roddy Bryan, now one of the three convicted of murder, uh, was a modern 
Dave Lynching. That's what it was, pure and simple. And I don't, I don't know any other way to, to describe it. I certainly don't know any more succinct or more accurate way to describe what we saw. A black man running down the street, uh, get him and kill him. Uh, and and that's what happened. Uh, and, and I, I think that the jury the, the jury verdicts were were fascinating to listen to because the jury obviously took uh, its charge very seriously. They made fine distinctions um, between you know, malice murder and felony murder and and who was guilty of what. But in the end, all three participated in this lynching of Ahmad Arbery uh, and. Well, it is true that, that criminal trials don't um, make social policy, uh, but they do tell us something about the country, and they tell us, um, uh, and, and they told us something about uh, Georgia in, uh, 20, in the year 2021 today. Uh, and I think uh, that news comes uh, to the enormous relief of a whole lot of people uh, in this country who were watching uh, this 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 jury and this trial on pins and needles, and 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 hoping that the Arbery family would get um, would get justice. This uh, this verdict comes in, in, at a time that I guess things the jury doesn't know about uh, in terms of the efforts to prevent members of the black clergy from being in the courtroom. They did hear in one of the closing arguments of a defense attorney a reference to. Mr. Arbery's physical condition, his toenails. Uh, I, I, I guess it's hard to know right now, but do you think that sort of thing had an impact? You know, it's hard to know if it had an impact on, on the jury, uh, that, that, that disgusting and, and, and vile and, uh, and, and Jim Crow era reference to Mr. Arbery's toenails by the defense lawyer in the closing. Uh, you know, it certainly had an impact on me. Um, and and uh, but uh, who knows how it impacted the jury uh, from the verdicts and the nuance in the verdicts. I I, I just think this jury took its job very very seriously uh, and and tried to do as a job, judge instructed as as the law instructed uh, and they saw they saw murder. And, and, and finally, let me ask you about that 911 call: a black man running. Is it your guess that that would frame? how the, the, the federal case would, would, would work? Oh, I certainly do believe that will be a major issue in the federal case. If, if, a, if a black man running uh, down the street is a crime, uh, then this country is in trouble. And, uh, and that's what he reported on the 911 tape. That seems a clear violation of um, Ahmaud Arbery's uh, civil rights. And uh, I'm happy that the federal government is going to pursue the case. I'm even happier, however, uh, that justice was delivered. Eugene Robinson. Eugene, thanks very much on the right side of your screen. You'll get some of the crowd at the court uh, courthouse steps in Brunswick, Georgia, celebrating uh, the verdict. And again, uh, all three men guilty of, of murder, all counts uh, uh, guilty for Travis McMichael, who actually pulled the trigger, uh, fired the fatal shot. Gregory McMichael, his father, also found guilty on, on murder charges. Uh, William Bryan, guilty on murder charges. And we'll, of course, be hearing more about malice versus felony murder, but as the point was made, uh, there will not be a huge difference in terms of the potential fates these men uh, face.
There's a lot to talk about here, a lot to cover. We'll be working the story throughout the day. That concludes our coverage right now. The verdicts and the trial for the killing of Ahmad Arbery. More reaction tonight when I see you for NBC Nightly News. For now, I'm Lester Holt, NBC News, New York. Good day, everyone. everybody, Aaron Gilchrist alongside Morgan Radford here. We're continuing to follow the breaking news at this hour. A verdict reached in the trial of three men accused of killing Ahmad Arbery in Georgia. Convicted. All three defendants have been found guilty of murder. We have NBC News correspondent Sam Brock, who's there on the ground in Georgia for us there. We also have NBC News legal analyst and former federal prosecutor Cynthia Oxney. Uh, all here to help us break down what the charges were what we saw happen inside and outside that courtroom. Sam Brock, I'd love to go ahead and start with you. I know you've been outside following what's been happening. But before we even get into the charges, I want to know what's happening behind the scenes. Because I think people are seeing the clergy celebrate. But I want to be very clear to the everyone watching. They are celebrating what they consider to be justice. But they are mourning the loss of a life. What are you hearing the people chant behind you? Well, look, I think it's really interesting to point out, Morgan, that earlier today we heard from Al Sharpton and Benjamin Crump, who talked about the precedent of this decision, that you had some of the most racist things said in a courtroom, Al Sharpton said this, that he had ever seen possibly the most racist in his life. Okay, that's what's going on in the courtroom, just the optics of also what happened with three white men chasing down Ahmaud Arbery in February of 2020, who wasn't armed at the time, who had committed no crime that they had observed, and chased him down in their community, Satilla Shores, and ultimately ended up shooting and killing him. Okay, so that's the starting point here. If this was not found to be guilty, these three defendants of murder, which as you said, Morgan, they were, Mr. Crump and Mr. Sharpton said, what kind of precedent would this set for where we are right now as a society if that sort of behavior is not punished with life in prison? Well, I think, as you described the emotional tenor and reaction here right now, people here are celebrating justice but relieved. Yes. You look over my shoulder, and it might be hard to see from here, there's probably two to three hundred people. That crowd continues to grow, and they've been shouting, Ahmad Arbery, say his name. Ahmad Arbery, say his name. Because there was definitely concern, as this was one of the cases, Morgan, that we saw tip the scales in 2020 in a very turbulent year. This was one of the cases that was a springboard that drove people to get out onto the streets of whatever city they live in and demand social justice reform. This is a very important case. And perhaps the possible downside of not seeing murder convictions would be even greater than just the relief and chanting now, knowing that they were convicted, Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and even William Roddy Bryan, there was some talk of the fact that, you know, they might not see a conviction of murder for him. He was convicted of felony murder, and now you talk about some of the charges that did come out. Felony murder means that you committed murder in the commission of other crimes. Aggravated assault was one of them. False imprisonment. And, of course, murder. Malice intent, or I should say malice murder, and malice aforethought, is the idea that there was intent to take a life tend to cause great bodily harm, even if there wasn't a lot of premeditation or a pre-existing relationship or hatred or anything of the sort. What was going on in that individual's mind as it was happening? Travis McMichael was the only one of the three that was convicted of malice murder, but all of them were convicted of murder. And what you're watching right now is this city's collective breathing, uh, sigh of relief, 
perhaps many people throughout this country who were concerned that, that justice would not be served in this case. Because as you look, Morgan, at the, the defense argument, what they put forward as why this would have been justified, as we see guilty on all charges, one of them is self-defense. And the prosecutor argued very eloquently, how can it be self-defense if you pursued someone and instigated an, an incident like this, and they weren't even armed, and it, it would be as if you walked into a store and held someone up at gunpoint, and that person tried to fight back, and you shot them and claimed self-defense, that doesn't really check out. The other part of this is this citizen's arrest law that was revoked by the state of Georgia in February of 2021, one year after, that comes from, you know, 150 years ago when there were law enforcement that were riding around on horseback that were not able to sometimes to get places for hours or days, and so citizens were granted uh, more leeway, I suppose, in, in policing. But how is that relevant to what's going on here right now? And ultimately, the jury decided that it's not, because all three of these individuals were convicted of murder. You know, I love what you said about the prosecution's uh, kind of argument, because effectively, more succinctly, what the prosecution was saying was, look, you can't create a situation and then be scared of the situation that you created. But Sam, I want to ask you, I really appreciate your distinction between what was malice murder and what was felony murder. When it comes to that distinction, what now are we looking at in terms of the different sentencing options on the table? Because I just want to refresh our viewers' memory for a minute. Travis McMichael was the one who was found guilty on all charges. That is the 35-year-old who pulled the trigger. Then we have Gregory McMichael, his father, who was 65 years old. He was found only not guilty when it came to the question of malice murder. And then third and finally, we have William Bryant. He was the one who took the video. He was found not guilty when it came to malice murder. He was found not guilty when it came to one of the counts of felony murder. And he was found not guilty when it came to one of the accounts of aggravated assault. So when you're looking at sort of the big picture here, Sam, of these three different defendants on the stand, what are the options on the table when it comes to what they will face next? I am going to defer to your legal experts in terms of the exact sentencing length, but it's my understanding, Morgan, that it is multiple decades, if not life, for the felony murder charges. And when you look at aggravated assault charges also coming in at five to ten years minimum, and there's multiple charges of those now convictions, these three people, defendants, convicted felons, are going to be looking at life behind bars. And again, that's part of the narrative here. What would be an appropriate punishment if you were part of a process that led to the death of another human being? And one of the most striking moments of this entire trial occurred during closing arguments. It was the end of closing arguments. When you saw a picture from a prosecutor put up before the courtroom of Ahmaud Arbery when he was breathing, split screen. And on the other side, what his face looked like after he had been killed. And you saw Wanda Cooper Jones, his mother, and his father and supporters curl up. Uh, Wanda Cooper Jones put her hand right here over her eyes so she didn't have to look anymore. Just the depth of pain that's been created from those decisions. All three of these men now will almost certainly be spending many, many years, if not the rest of their lives, in a prison. Yeah, pain and relief. Uh, Sam, I want you to stay with us through continued discussion with the court, but I also want to thank you for being there because you are our eyes and our ears on the ground for so many people across this country, really across the world, who are watching this trial, especially given the context of the other elements and pockets of pain we are seeing around the country with similar trials. So thank you for being there and please stay with us. 
Let's bring in our NBC News legal analyst and former federal prosecutor, Cynthia Alstine, now to help us understand how this uh, all unfolded from a legal perspective. Cynthia, obviously we had three defendants here, 27 charges between them. In this case, we saw 24 guilty verdicts from this jury. There had been some concern that this was an incredibly complex set of charges for this jury to consider, but uh, it seems as though they had clarity about what happened here and, and how they were going to find uh, these three defendants uh, in terms of the, the, the charges that were against them. Is that your perspective, too? Yes, and let me just explain the way the, the, the charges worked. The, each of these defendants was charged with five different types of murder. They were charged with malice murder. They were charged with felony murder with a shotgun. That was one count. Another count was felony murder with a truck. Another count was felony murder and the felony being false imprisonment. And the other count was felony murder and the, the felony being attempted false imprisonment. And so the jury was pretty thoughtful about the way they did that. Murder is the murder is the murder. I mean, they're, they're all going to jail for life because they've been convicted of murder. But they convicted the person who actually shot uh, Mr. Arbery with the malice murder and the felony murder with the shotgun and everything else. But they were more discriminating when it came to Roddy Bryan because he didn't have the shotgun in his hand, but they convicted him of the felony murder with the assault with the truck and the false imprisonment and the attempted false imprisonment. So it really shows a jury that was going through each of the different options carefully and, and allocating guilt where they saw fit. And ultimately, they, they are all murderers. They're convicted of murder. They're going to away, away to jail for life. And the Department of Justice is going to come in and also charge them with federal civil rights violations so that we have a backup in case there's any problem on appeal. Um, I want to ask you, Symphony, this is Morgan speaking. I want to ask you about the big picture here. And I'm going to, while we talk, ask our director, Steve, to keep this live shot of what's happening there outside of Brunswick, Georgia, up. My big question for you, Cynthia, um, is what's the difference? And I want to give you some context for my question. I remember uh, shortly after my parents live in Georgia, and I remember after Arbery was killed and the video came out, I remember my mother getting on a plane from Georgia coming to see me in New York, and she said, it's unimaginable to think that someone could try to take the life of my son while he's going for a run, right? And that's right. something that so many parents, parents of children of color, had to face. And so when they saw that this had happened, the video had come out, that the jury had been called, that there was one single black juror, and then they saw the Rittenhouse trial. There were so many people in America who sat with bated breath, wondering if our justice system was in fact going to deliver justice. So for many people watching this trial, Cynthia, this legally was a shut and closed case for many people. That's how they felt. Right. But the question was, was the law going to supersede what we have seen happen in society when there have been so many cases like this that perhaps weren't even caught on video? So my question to you is, given the context of this trial and the Rittenhouse trial, what is the difference? Well, there's a big difference factually. Uh, there's a big difference factually, and there's a big difference um, in the manner in which they were prosecuted. I mean, factually, this man, Mr. Arbery, was was essentially treated like a runaway slave and murdered. And that's different from the Rittenhouse case. 
the Rittenhouse case, and, and the prosecution in this case was superb. In the Rittenhouse case, there was uh, bad jury instructions, but also in the Rittenhouse case, one of the victims pointed a gun at him. In the Rittenhouse case, one of the victims was chasing Rittenhouse. In the Rittenhouse case, Cynthia, I'm sorry, one I'm of the interrupt victims... you here. We are seeing yeah. uh, the family of Ahmad Arbery accompanied with some of the uh, ministers and lawyers that are with them there in Georgia coming to the microphones here. Let's listen. This is Reverend Al Sharpton. Let us, let us say, first and foremost, we're going to start by thanking God for shining on us. Let us thank these lawyers. Let us thank the prosecutors. Let us thank the activists that y'all called the mob that marched and stood up. Let us thank all of the people that believe. And let us, more than anything, thank the mother and father. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. They lost a son. That's right. But their son will go down in history yes, as one that proved that if you hold on, hold on. that justice can come. Yes, this mother would tell me, Reverend, we're going to win this. When I had doubts, yeah. she kept praying. This father said, we got to get some justice for my son. Yeah, right. yeah. And let the word go forth all over the world yeah. that a jury of 11 whites yeah. and one Come on. black Come on. in the deep south stood up in the courtroom God. and said that black lives do matter. Yeah. Let it be clear yeah. that almost 10 years after Trayvon, God used Wanda and Marcus's son to prove that if we kept marching and kept fighting, we would make you hear us. We got a lot of more, lot more battles to fight, but this was an important battle today. This was proving that our children know their value. And that's why those people that marched, I'm talking about the people here, that was here when nobody else was here. They stood up. took a different turn. Let us pray. Dear God, dear God, we come thanking you for your mercy. Thanking you for giving us a prosecutor's team that when it looked to us like the stack, they stacked the jury, that you still found a way to open up the minds of people to listen to the evidence and weigh it based on facts, not based on skin color. That you gave strength to this mother and you gave strength to this father to not give up on you, even when many of us doubted. Even when many of us said it's not going to happen. You came in the state of Georgia. A state known for segregation, a state known for Jim Crow, and you turned it around. You took a young, unarmed boy that they thought was worthless, and you put his name in history today. Years from now, decades from now.
from now. Yes. They'll be talking about a boy named Ahmed Aubrey yes. Yes. that taught this country what justice yes. looks like. Yes. Yes. As we go forth, let us go forth in the victory you've given us. Yes. Thank everyone in Brunswick yes. that marched, yes. that stood out in front yes. of this courthouse, yes. that was called a lynch mob, but they kept on marching. Yes. And let us know that all whites are not racist. That's right. Come on. And all Come on. blacks are not worthless. Come on. That we're all your children. Yes. And yes. we will yes. give you the grace yes. and give yes. you the glory. Oh, yes. The glory be yours, not ours. Let us not be proud and let us not be vengeful. But let us be thankful that you brought us closer together today. These blessings we ask in your name and your sake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We never had a Thanksgiving day like today. We were here from the attorneys and the parents. Let us hear from the attorney for Wanda, who is running for the Texas Attorney General. He asked me not to say it, but I'm going to say it because <laughs> we need Attorney Generals like this. Amen. Lee Merrick, followed by the Attorney General of Black America, <laughs> who flew in and out even as he handled other cases. These lawyers kept going to the wall and stood up. Amen. We walked out of court through buildings with tears in our eyes. We cried inside, but yes. they were tears of joy yes. because people like Thurgood Marshall and others broke down barriers yes, Lord. to produce a Ben Crump yes, Lord. and a Lee Merritt. Amen. Amen. You all don't want to hear from me right now. You want to hear from the family of Ahmaud Arbery, as we all do. We want to wrap our arms around them. Yes. Uh, the only reason that I'm speaking is to provide an introduction for a praying mother. You all have known her now for the last 18 months. 18 months ago, when she learned about the murder of her son, they told her that she would just have to deal with it alone. They told her that there would be no arrest, that there would be no accountability, that there would be no justice. And she made her son a promise before she laid him in the ground that her mom, his mom, would fight for justice for him. In order to do that, Glenn County had to change. She couldn't find justice in the Glenn County that she found in, in the year 2000. That's right. Fe on February 23rd, there was a, a prosecutor standing in her way, Jackie Johnson. Wanda Cooper prayed her out of the way, out of office, and she's facing criminal charges herself. When she came to Glenn, when, when she was looking for justice in Glenn County, she was faced with a corrupt legal system, one that never fully investigated her son's murder as we learned during the course of this trial. Wanda performed her own investigation. Wanda hired her own attorneys and she woke up a nation. Amen. Can you all join me in just giving a round of applause for this fighting, yeah. faithful, praying mother? Thank you, thank you, 
for those who marched, those who, who prayed, most of all, the, the ones who prayed. Yes, Lord. Yes. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Thank you. And now, now, Quez, which I, would you know him as Ahmad? I know him as Quez. Yes. He will now rest in peace. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Grunt oh my goodness. that came out of Marcus Aubrey when they pronounced Travis McMichael guilty. Yeah. He could not contain it any further because think about how long he and Wanda have been enduring all the innuendo, all the allegations, all the character assassination, long legs with dirty toenails. Woo! Just imagine all they went through. That when he heard that, Reverend Al, he could not contain himself because Marcus as a father, yes. they see their job as to protect their children. That's right. That's right. And That's right. you can experience the pain of a mother and a father who witness what they witness not being there to protect their child. Yes. Every parent in America can take solace yes. in knowing that we have an example yes. of how to deal with tragedy and grief yes. when they look at the example of Marcus Aubrey yes. and Wanda Cooper, yes. and we should applaud them. Right. They should be applauded. Side did this. That's right. Yeah. God put us all together to make yeah, this happen. 
Yeah. God worked two sides. All right, I'm going to put you here. I'm going to put you there. Amen. So y'all pull together and work this thing. Yeah. Amen. So, hey, Amen. that's what it's all about. Yeah. Amen. Because if one side wouldn't work, it wouldn't happen. That's right. You had people working when you weren't working. That's yeah. right. Come on. When you weren't working, you had people out here working. My right. thing. Going in these offices. Yeah. yeah. We talk about that last month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got that last month. This is history today. Let you know that black kid life does matter. For real, all life matters. Yes. Not just black children. We don't want to see nobody go through this. Amen. I don't want to see no daddy watch the kid get left and shot down like that. That's right, Ma. So it's all our problem. It's all our problem. So, hey, let's keep fighting. Let's keep doing it and making this place a better place for all human beings. Amen. over to the prosecutors um, we want to exercise as attorneys as advocates we want to exercise control over something this important yes and it was difficult to relinquish that control to the Cobb County's prosecutor's office uh, of course we had to under the law and they did what they had to do to secure a conviction I applaud them for putting on a airtight case that yes. resulted in conviction yes. for all these men 
They've invited Wanda and Marcus and their supporters to stand with them for their press conference. And so we're going to do something else that's difficult to do. We're not taking any questions. We're going to step back. Yeah. We're going to allow the prosecutors to uh, make a presentation about their case as we yes. stand with them in solidarity and thank them for their efforts. Amen. And it's a good example for when Lee Merritt is Texas Attorney General. <laughs> Changes in this community and in our state and in this nation. 
With the passing of Georgia's first ever hate crime bill and the changing of Georgia's antiquated yeah. citizen's arrest law, yeah. Yeah. we want to thank this community for the support that it has given to the family and to us and the community at large. And uh, we want to have some opportunity to have some remarks uh, also from our team. So our senior uh, assistant district attorney and lead attorney, Linda Donikowski. You're watching NBC News now. As you can see, we are in Brunswick, Georgia, where a jury has found all three defendants guilty of the felony murder of Ahmad Arbery. Let's listen to the judge reading that verdict this afternoon. 
first verdict form I have is the state of Georgia versus Travis McMichael. Mr. McMichael, please stand. Verdict is as follows. In the Superior Court of Glenn County, state of Georgia, the state of Georgia versus Travis McMichael, case number CR000433. Jury verdict form. Count one, malice murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. I'm going to ask that whoever just made an outburst be removed from the court, please. Count two, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count five, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count seven, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count eight, false imprisonment. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count nine, criminal attempt to commit a felony. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Dated this 24th day of November, 2021, signed by the fourth person. As to Gregory McMichael. In the Superior Court of Glenn County, the state of Georgia versus Greg McMichael. Case number CR0, I'm sorry, 2000433. Jury verdict form. Count one, malice murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, not guilty. Count two, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count five, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count seven, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count eight, false imprisonment. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. Count nine, criminal attempt to commit a felony. We, the jury, find the defendant, Greg McMichael, guilty. This 24th day of November, 2021, signed by the As to Willie Marbrine. In the Superior Court of Glenn County, state of Georgia, state of Georgia versus William R. Bryan, case number CR2000433, jury verdict form. Count one, malice murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, not guilty. Count two, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, not guilty. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Count five, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, William R. Bryan, guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. 
we the jury find the defendant William R. Bryan not guilty. Count seven, aggravated assault. We the jury find the defendant William R. Bryan guilty. Count eight, false imprisonment. We the jury find the defendant William R. Bryan guilty. Count nine, criminal attempt to commit a felony. We the jury find the defendant William R. Bryan guilty. Signed this 24th day of November by the four person. We have team coverage this afternoon. NBC News correspondent Sam Brock is outside the courthouse in Brunswick, Georgia. We also have our legal experts standing by. Sam, we're going to go to you first. All three men here found guilty of felony murder. Would you just walk us through the verdicts this jury reached today that we just heard the judge reading? Yes, this was obviously a period of hours here where it wasn't clear, Allison, and good afternoon, good to be with you, and you. what the outcome was going to be, but we do know this, there were so many people out here who are concerned about the fact that justice was not going to be served, that you would have a situation, one of these cases that happened in 2020, that caused people all across the country to leave their homes and go out into the streets crying for social justice reform, that justice might not be served in the case of Ahmaud Arbery and the three defendants, Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and William Roddy Bryan. As you just mentioned a second ago, Allison, all of them were convicted of some form of murder. The felony murder, which is the common thread for all three, means that they committed murder in the commission of another crime, whether it was aggravated assault or it was false imprisonment. As you see, that's for Travis McMichael. He pulled the trigger, and he has also been convicted of malice murder. Malice murder means there was malice of forethought. It does not require premeditation. It doesn't mean that there was a pre-existing relationship or weeks of animus or anything of that nature, but that in the moment there was an intent to kill or an intent to cause great bodily harm. Travis McMichael was in the pickup truck with his father when they saw Ahmad Arbery running down the street, chose to chase him, and pulled the trigger. Now, what the defense had contended here was that there was self-defense that Ahmad Arbery had charged him multiple times. Clearly, the jury did not subscribe to that interpretation, because as the prosecution laid out, you can't go track someone down, instigate a violent incident like this, and then claim self-defense. You are hearing right now the chanting going on around me. There was a large crowd over my shoulder. There's still some people milling around, but they are now marching all the way around the courthouse. I wish I had a perspective for you right now. We do not. But earlier they were chanting, Ahmad Arbery, say his name, Ahmad Arbery. I just spoke with several of Ahmad's aunts who say, what are they feeling right now? First, overwhelming joy was the initial description. Relief also, because there was fear what would happen if this verdict did not come out. And just joy, uh, a sense that this has been building up for so long that they conducted themselves in a trial that was so scrutinized for its racist overtones that everyone here conducted themselves with dignity and integrity and peacefully stood outside and made their, their feelings and their hearts felt. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we are looking at a situation where you have all three of these men convicted of murder. Sam, I have more questions for you about what happened inside the courtroom, but while you're outside there and we're hearing all that noise around you, uh, folks chanting, uh, I know you said that people were gathering before. Could you describe for us what it was like out there when the verdict uh, was read and sort of what it's been like over the last hour or so? 
it's it's been a steady stream of people coming out here. It was interesting, Allison, because as the judge was reading the charges, and then there was an outpouring of response in the courtroom, which is banned, and someone was taken out, you could hear the reaction about three to five seconds later over my shoulder. Yeah. So when that first guilty verdict was read for Travis McMichael, I heard it in my ear first, and then five or seven seconds later, I looked over my shoulder, and it was just applause and eruption, and people celebrated. And of course, this continued to play out over the course of the next 10 minutes as there was this lag between the verdict inside and what people outside were finding out. But it is very apparent that given the language used, certainly from some of the faith leaders, right, uh, Benjamin Crump, the attorney, as well as Reverend Al Sharpton, about the precedent this would set if they were not found guilty in America right now, if three men chose to just chase someone around a housing complex and when they called 911 eventually at the end of that chase, were asked, what's the emergency? And the response was, I'm in Satilla Shores and there's a black man running down the street. That that sort of dynamic would not go unpunished. The legal system would work because as we just heard over my shoulder a second ago, it was not just morally wrong what happened. We just got confirmation and affirmation that it was legally wrong too. And that's a distinction that's important. I think everyone here are feeling like this at least serves as an example. This type of behavior will no longer be accepted in society in 2021. Sam, we talked about what went out, uh, what went on outside the courtroom as sort of the news trickled out. Let's talk a little bit more about what went on inside the courtroom. We know Ahmaud Arbery's parents were in there today. His father jumped up and cheered when he heard the first guilty count. What else can you tell us about their reaction today? What you know uh, about uh, the mood inside the courtroom when that verdict was read? Uh, a couple of different things. You know, we could actually see, I was glancing down at one of the cameras on Wanda Cooper-Jones, Ahmad's mother, and she was she was overcome with emotion. She was crying. There are pool reports that his father, Marcus Arbery, was cheering, and then also included in that, in that report was the fact that Linda Hope would made those controversial comments to the defense attorney about toenails and legs that were unapologetically racist, that she said, I am floored with a capital F. And she was crying and complaining and saying that once sentencing is over, they'll be appealing. So a split screen there, mm -hmm. but not surprisingly, such an emotional moment for what this family had to endure, because you have yeah. to remember, not just the comments in the courtroom, the racist comments, but also what we saw in terms of the presentation to get the jury to guilty, the prosecutor had to show all of these images of what Ahmaud Arbery's body looked like lying on the ground in the immediate aftermath of what happened. And I will tell you, certainly couldn't air it for TV, right. it was jarring. And no matter how long you, you learn the details of this case, it's different to hear that and to see the visual of what someone looks like after this kind of tragedy. And there was a split screen at the very end with the, with the side of Ahmaud Arbery's face when he was a breathing human being smiling and when he was lying on the ground. And that alone made people in that gallery, including Wanda, his mother, cover their eyes. Yeah, what that, what that family has been through, uh, it since February of 2020. Just unbelievable. Sam, thank you so much for your reporting. Let's bring in our legal experts here. Former federal prosecutor Cynthia Oxney and former U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance. Both are also NBC News legal analysts. So, Joyce, all three men found guilty of killing Ahmad Arbery by a nearly all-white jury. I'd just love to get your reaction to this verdict. Were you surprised by that? Lynchpin was the prosecution's, prosecution's closing argument where they methodically went through the charges, predicted the defenses, and explained to the jury why the facts in this case would 
force them ultimately to return a verdict of guilt. It was very skillfully done. And something that's very important here, Allison, mm -hmm. is the way this jury made its decision. They didn't just go guilty on all counts. This was not a knee-jerk sort of a verdict. They were very careful. They reviewed evidence. And if you look at the technical distinctions in the counts where they return not guilty verdicts, for instance, for Greg McMichael, they declined to convict him of intentional murder. For Roddy Bryant, the same outcome. They didn't convict him of intentional murder. They declined to convict him of felony murder in the aggravated assault count, or in the felony murder count that related to an aggravated assault using a firearm. They were careful to limit the counts of conviction to the counts where the evidence was clear. Ultimately, all men stand convicted of murder and will face a life sentence in prison, and the jury's verdict will stand up on appeal because it was done in a very thoughtful manner. But Joyce, for our viewers of ours who are looking at this and seeing all of these counts, seeing so many different types of murder, different charges here, and are confused by it, could you just sort of walk us through once again uh, what the differences are here and what each of these men was found guilty of? Sure. It's important to remember that you should be confused because the murder law is different in every state. So, for instance, the Georgia statute is very different from the Wisconsin statute that we saw in, in the Rittenhouse case. In Georgia, there are a number, kinds of, a number of kinds of killings that can be uh, considered and, and will lead to a conviction for murder. And two of those types of charges appear here. The first is malice murder, and that means either intentional malice, you intended to kill someone, or implied malice. You, you uh, behaved in, in such a, a reckless fashion. You had a, uh, the Georgia statute says you had a malignant heart when you took human life. So that would be malice murder. And that's what Travis McMichael is convicted of. He had the intent to kill when he pointed his, his gun at Ahmad Arbery and took his life. The felony murder charges, still murder under Georgia law, still carrying a life sentence, but the crime is a little bit different. The crime says if you kill someone while you're committing another felony, you commit murder. So prosecutors no longer have to prove intent to kill. They do have to prove all the elements of the underlying felony. They also have to prove that the death was a result of that felony. So, for instance, in this case, they charge multiple felony murder counts because they're being careful prosecutors and they know that redundancy in conviction guarantees success on appeal. But they charge felony murder related to the aggravated assault with the firearm and the aggravated assault with the vehicle. And the uh, effort to uh, uh, kidnap, the, the Georgia statute doesn't doesn't label it kidnapping here, but, but it's constraining the ability of the person to move, and it's tantamount to a kidnapping. And so those felony murder charges come into play and are also used to convict. We also have the underlying felonies are charged uh, and, and also an attempted uh, felony statute at the very end. In other words... Uh, and I hate to compare it to Rittenhouse, but I will simply say the prosecutors here very thoroughly considered the legal options, charged all of the counts they believed they had sufficient evidence to obtain convictions on, and their evidence came in at trial consistent with the charges that they had made and what they told the jury the jury could expect to hear in opening statement. That's a, a powerful experience for a jury when prosecutors make good on their promises and are able in closing argument to say, here's what we promised you in opening statement, and here's what the evidence in this case proves beyond a reasonable doubt. Cynthia, I'd like to bring you in. I'd like to get your take on not only the verdict, but also the case that the prosecution presented here.
Well, I mean, the prosecution did an astounding job, an outstanding job. But I want everybody to remember this. This almost didn't happen. This prosecution almost didn't happen. Because when the case was originally brought in and there was no video, there was no case. And so while we can celebrate uh, celebrate that justice was done here, if there hadn't been the video, these men probably would have gotten away with it. And, and I just think we need to reflect on that for a minute because while it's true that this verdict shows that the South is moving forward and that this all-white jury convicted these men of murder that they so richly deserve to be convicted of, if, what, what would have happened if there wasn't a video? They would have gotten away with it. And so we're not there yet. We're not at the promised land, I can tell you that. But, it, but, but certainly it's great news that they were convicted, and I'm very pleased by the quality of the prosecution um, the detail that was the detail and the manner in which they put it in the cross-examination was outstanding it was textbook this woman prosecutor was a real rock star and as a result the, these men have been convicted Cynthia I'd like to talk about this a little more because you bring up a an excellent point here about the fact that we had video, the fact that people could see what happened here, the jury could see what happened here and decide for themselves. You bring up this excellent point that without that, we would most certainly not be here today. Yeah. So what does this change then? Where where can we say, okay, this was a this was a victory for civil rights. This, uh, you know, will mean that a black man can go for a jog in the middle of the afternoon or not have to worry about uh, being killed and that those people will get off for it. And, and where is there sort of a gray area that you see, oh boy, it, it sure depends on what the evidence is? Well, I just don't think we know the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're there at the point where we can say that you, a black man can run through a neighborhood like Saltilla Shores and feel comfortable yet. I and mean, I'm sorry to say that, but yeah. I think that's true. And uh, but this, this is a step in the right direction. This is uh, something for people to hold on to and, and provide some hope. And it's also something for people who might be the person who would be attacking somebody going for a run to check their behavior. But this we're not at the promised land. We are not there. And I don't think without this video, we'd have a conviction. All right, Cynthia, Joyce, thank you both so very much. We're going to have more coverage, more analysis of the guilty verdicts for the three defendants uh, in the Ahmad Arbery trial. We'll be right back. All three defendants in the trial for the killing of Ahmad Arbery, NBC News correspondent Sam Brock is outside the courthouse. Sam, all of the men found guilty of felony murder in particular. The family and their supporters coming out of this courthouse just moments ago, uh, having a news conference there. What did they say? The feeling, Allison, that after years of seeing the legal system not work for people of color, that finally there was a decision that was made in a scenario that was not only morally wrong, but legally wrong, and that there was confirmation and affirmation from the jury today that that's what happened. And we see, if we look at this full spectrum of, of convictions, and certainly the charges that were put forward, uh, you're talking about a scenario in which you had three men 
white going after 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery Black in a neighborhood where the 911 call that had been placed that day as that chase was going on was 911, what is your emergency? I'm in Satilla Shores, and there is a black man running down the street. There are many folks here who have been supporting Ahmad Arbery and his family throughout this that have been there for months who felt like this is finally a testament to the fact that there's recognition this is wrong, that self-defense doesn't apply. But the idea that there could be a citizen's arrest that dates back to a Georgia law from the 1860s that has since been revoked is not applicable in this case. And I want to bring in three people who have been here several days of each week for the last several weeks. They went to class, actually, with one of the defendants, William Roddy Bryan, the neighbor that taped it all. And you described to me, guys, we have Kendra, we have Lorraine, we have Leah. You described it as an exhale, a sigh of relief. But when you saw the judge getting ready to announce the verdict, tell me what was going through your mind. Oh, my. I can't describe it. I was just... I was nervous, but I wasn't nervous. I told her early on the phone that I was, I really wasn't nervous because I just already knew. You knew that it was going to be a guilty verdict. I did. For murder. I did. That thought never crossed your mind that the legal system would fail you in this case. No. It did to me because we know how it is here. You know, the injustice has been going on for so long. So you kind of knew it could really have went either way. We knew that guilty. I mean, you know that. Was it a mixture of emotions? Because I, yes. I saw a first and initial outburst of applause when that guilty verdict came yes. in, right? But I know it's it's joy in the justice system and the verdict, yeah. but it's so much pain in the fact that Ahmaud Arbery is no longer here. Man. How do you balance these competing emotions, and what were all of them that you were feeling? Oh, man. <laughs> I felt that, you know, justice was served for Ahmaud. I, I feel that he's resting peacefully, knowing that the... Um, um, the individuals that murdered him came with a guilty verdict. That the system didn't fail him. Yes. Now, you know, and it didn't fail us as Glen County residents. Yeah. As you watch the day by day of this case, and especially as we got into closing arguments, and we heard conversations from the defense attorneys about long legs and dirty toenails, clearly racists. Yes. Did that harken you back to another era? Did you feel like this needed to happen to correct that level of racism? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it just really showed, it just really showed her ignorance. <laughs> really. It showed what's been going on yeah, in this city time. for a long time. Yeah. Now yeah. the world sees, yeah. you know, what we've been going through for yeah. such a long time. Do you believe that might have played a role in how the jury perceived this case? I think everything played a role from start to finish. Um, we, as we call her Auntie Linda, the prosecutor, the prosecutor. that's what I'm nicknamed for her. Yes. She just drove it home every time. Every time. Every time. Did her style of trying to explain this in sort of everyday language, here's what they're saying, and here's why that doesn't work. Every member of a party that is in the midst of a crime that's committed, they're all liable for the crime. You know, you can't have, I think she said, a Super Bowl team. They all yes. get rings. The quarterback and the backup tight end, yes. they're equally getting rings. Yes. Do you think that was a, an appropriate and a sort of a proper way to explain that everyone who is part of a crime is liable for that crime? Yes, um, she did a phenomenal, phenomenal job that even maybe a second grader would have been able to understand exactly the different um, felony. 
Thank you so much for that great interview. It was wonderful. 